and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Well, um, I want to talk tonight on uh, being designed for destiny. You know, this, this uh, conference is called Dream Again, and maybe your dreams have gotten a little tired or you've forgotten it, or maybe the enemy has stolen your dreams. And, and in order to um, just really uh, just open up your heart and just listen to what God might have for you, Ephesians 2.10 says, We have become His poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. You know, the first thing we can see in this scripture is that God plans ahead. He is not disorganized. He doesn't wing it. It's not last minute. He actually planned ahead before you turned up at earth. He planned ahead for your destiny, for the dreams that he has for you. And so each of us are on earth for a purpose. Whether you like it or not, if you were, if your purpose was finished, you'd be taken up. So right now, everyone in this room has a purpose for the kingdom of heaven in, on earth until he calls you home. So it doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter how the humans got you on earth, whether it was a one-night stand, it was an accident, whether you were planned, you were adopted. That doesn't matter. What matters is you still have a purpose. God needed you on this earth, and you got here, and there's something that only you can do. You know, sometimes we can look at our life and go, God, you, me- you messed up. You didn't plan me. It was an accident. You know, the enemy will lie and tell you all these things. I remember for myself, you know, I was born in New Zealand. Are there any Kiwis here? Oh, Kiora. So nice to see you. However, I was only a few weeks old and my father took me to actually to Sydney. So I lived in Sydney for a few years. Uh, My father was an Australian, my mother was a Kiwi. And then we moved to the Philippines. Are there any Filipinos in here at all? Oh, Kamustaka! So good to see you all. Anyway, I lived there till I was 18, and then I, I moved around uh, in Victoria, and, uh, and then I went to Queensland, and then I eventually um, went uh, on a mission trip to Malaysia where I met this amazing pastor. However, when I was in the Philippines, I grew up with Filipinos, but I lived in a Chinese compound and went to an American missionary school. <laughs> I was mixed up. I was not Australian enough to hang out with the Aussies. I was not American enough to be with Americans. I was too white to be with the Filipinos. And the Chinese, well, I couldn't understand them. So I was just totally never fitting into any circle in my life. I remember my grandmother tells a story of when I was in New Zealand with her. We were out one day and the man said, where is your home? We were at a shops and the man said, where's your home? And I said, I don't have a home. I'm homeless. And the man's like, what is wrong with her? And my grandmother's just like, oh, she's just going, 16-year-old. But here's the thing. I was never meant to have one home. Because the Lord knew that one day I would marry a man who was born in Singapore, half Malaysian, half Singaporean, Indian ethnicity, and grew up in Australia. I mean, you want to talk about mixed up? Look at our children. They are the nations of the world. And he knew 
that I couldn't be attached to one nation because he wanted me to love nations. That it couldn't just be identified with one place. I had to be identified with all the nations that we are involved in. See, the very thing that you think might have been an accident or the very thing that is a frustration to you might be the very thing that God uses for your destiny. This should bring you so much comfort because we don't have to mindlessly go through and try to figure out what we're doing, you know, and that, that we have to strive for our destiny. Proverbs 20, 24 says, It is the Lord who directs your life. For each step you take is ordained by God to bring you closer to your destiny. So it's the Lord who brings you closer to your destiny. You don't have to strive, you know, have to manipulate, have to let them see you. Or No, it is the Lord who does that. Even when it looks like there is no plan, God planned ahead. You know, the story of Joseph in the Old Testament is a classic story where it looked like God got it wrong. Oh, he had prophecies. He was going to lead. He was going to do all this amazing stuff. He was his daddy's favorite. You know, and then life changes and decisions are happening. There's jealousy, and it looks like there's no destiny for him anymore because he's stuck in a prison. Like, how can you have people bow to you when you're in prison? There's no way. You got it wrong, Joseph. You misread the prophecy. God didn't mean for you to do all those things you thought you were supposed to do. And you know, Joseph in that season could have been really angry with God and God, yeah, well, I'm just going to sit on the gifts you gave me and I refuse to use them because I'm burnt out. I'm annoyed. I'm hurt. But no, when the opportunity came for him to use his gifts of interpreting dreams, he still did it anyway, regardless. And because he stepped out and did what his purpose in life was, he was then presented to Pharaoh, who was all, who was the greatest man on earth back then, the most powerful man on earth. And he was able to use his gift in that arena, which opened the door to his destiny, which was a greater plan that God had to save the Israelites. Sometimes the purpose in your life might look like you are not doing what God has for you, the destiny that God got it wrong. But maybe there's a bigger picture in store for you. God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste your education. He doesn't waste your passion. He doesn't waste any of your your giftings in your life because he has a destiny because he plans everything you know one time my husband and I were having a lunch with this guy and he was uh, a prophet and I don't know if you've ever hung out with prophets but you know how they're a little bit mystical so we're just having lunch and suddenly he's like Jemima I'm like yes oh my gosh he can see my sins oh my gosh oh my gosh you know because he's just looking into my soul he goes Jemima The Lord wants you to know that in the year 1998 to 2001, God did not see that as a waste. And I was like, oh, okay. My husband goes, what happened in those years? I was like, I'll tell you later. Those years, it's funny. I used to say to God, those years were such a waste. I wasted my life in those years. I walked away from the Lord. I decided to do my own thing. I had just gotten out of uni and I was just, you know, just playing with the world. And I often look back at the, that, those few years. And I used to think that is such a waste, wasted my life. I could have gone to Bible college. I could have done this. I could have done that. And I often thought I had delayed my destiny because I'd wasted those years. However, 
After that man gave that prophecy and after a few years went by, in 2015, we started to dis, uh, think of ways that we could get my husband uh, into a room that would reach nations. He couldn't go travel to all the nations. We were, I think we were in six nations at the time. And we were like, how can we do this better? He was traveling a lot. And I said, there's something that we can do better. So I led a group of people in a project of live streaming, but not just live streaming, live streaming in a way where it looked like he was in the room. See, back in 1998 to 2001, I was at a university where my team were in every other campus. I, my boss was in one campus, my team were all in others, and we were learning how to bring technology into an auditorium where people in the lectures would think the lecture was in the room. We were being taught that and trained then. So I led that team in, in our church. And now today, the way we do live stream, it looks like he's on stage. We've had our pastors argue with people in, in our cities because they swear Pastor Mark had walked on stage and they want to go talk to him, but Pastor Mark is actually not there. We had one who swore he has a helicopter that he flies around and goes from city because there's no way Pastor Mark was on a screen because I learned in those years where I thought it was a waste how to get somebody into a room. And God used that to bring the, the gospel into the nations. See, what you think is a waste in your life is something that God could use for his kingdom. You know, you are his poetry, the verse says. We are his poetry. We are originals. No poem is the same, right? And, or they call it a copy. So are you. I mean, look at the person next to you. They don't look like you. They don't sound like you. They don't have the same passions as you, the same gift as you, the same DNA as you, the same race as you. They are completely different to you. See, there is no one on earth like you. No one before time that has come on earth that has your DNA, your race, your upbringing with your family, with what you like, with how you talk, with how you think or person. No one and no one after you will be like you. You are an original, and that's why your purpose is an original, because he's made you exactly the way you're supposed to be for the purpose he has for you. In Galatians 5, it talks about not comparing ourselves to each other. He talks about how, um, he says, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That's that means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting, interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Comparison will either make you too proud or too depressed. Nothing good comes from comparison. So why do we compare destinies? Why do we compare giftings? We shouldn't because ours is unique. But the enemy does is he comes in. Some of us have already compared tonight. We've already come in. Oh, I wish I looked like her. I wish I had that gift. I wish I could sing like her. I wish I had this building. Okay, maybe that was me. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like we compare. Why can't I be like that? Why can't our marriage be like this? Why can't my kids be like that? And we compare ourselves. Girls are the worst. We compare our bodies. I wish I was tall. I wish I was thin. I wish I was like that. I wish I could eat anything. You know, like it's just, we're always consumed. And what happens is, is that we are thinking about this instead of thinking about what God has for us. We can get so consumed up with all this stuff that we miss out on what God has for us. And we often compare, this is funny, especially in the Christian world, we'll often compare our age and season in life with others. Yeah. 
Like as if there's a certain age to be married, a certain age to have kids, a certain age to buy a house, you know, and have it all together. And if we don't meet those certain ages, there's something wrong with us. And of course, people say things as well. So, you know, I didn't get married till I was 31. Now, in the Christian world, that means you are like a spinster, okay? Like, what is wrong with you after 24 if you are not married? It's like, you're not married? What is wrong with you? Yeah, some of you feel it. You know it. They say it. And uh, I had several pastors would say things to me like I have too, uh, my standards are too high. Um, you know, I had a brother who uh, I worked with at church and he would actually at the end of the service end the service by saying, I have a single sister down here. She's in her 30s. If any of you would like to take her out for coffee, please, could you come down? And I would look at these other families, you know, who, you know, people got married and my younger brother got married before me. And, you know, I couldn't help but compare and think, is there something wrong with me? What is wrong? Well, God, why haven't you brought this? Is this because I went away from the Lord? Have I delayed my destiny because I've been messing around and so you're punishing me for this? I mean, I used to think these kind of things. Little did I know that if uh, God had given me the man that I was supposed to marry at 22, I think I would have killed him. <laughs> or he would have killed me. Either way, it wouldn't have worked out. God knew the right timing. And it wasn't until I was almost 31 when someone said to me, hey, do you want to come on a missions trip uh, to Malaysia uh, with a bunch of year 12s? I was a youth pastor at the time. And so I went there and I went into this church and uh, I was looking around for the pastor to see where he was, and it was kind of all craziness was happening at the time. They were running late. Clearly, the pastor didn't have a wife that is, like, really, like, good at run sheets and keeping on time because it was 15 minutes late. I'm like, why didn't they start 15 minutes late? It's pretty bad. Anyway, uh, he comes on stage. Uh, Pastor Mark comes on stage and he's trying to delay the service because his guest speaker was late. Again, he didn't have a wife to run the guest ministry, so that's why it was a little bit unorganized. Guest men was stuck in a car somewhere in traffic. So anyway, he comes on to delay the message and he, to do that, he asks for all the youth pastors that had been on the mission trip to come up on stage to, to give a little recap of what they're doing. So I get up on stage, I'm one of them, and he looks me in the eye for the first time we see each other on stage. And he says, have I met you before? I'm like, I mean, those big brown eyes piercing my soul. I'm like, have I met him before? Do I know him? I don't know. And he goes, then he pulls the mic away and he says, I said, have I met you before? <laughs> and it was the weirdest thing because my spirit knew him, but my soul didn't. So it was like a... A uh, spear went through my heart, but I'm like, why am I feeling like this? This is so weird. Where is his wife? I feel strange. I don't know what's going on. My cheeks are burning. It's like crazy. I don't know what I said those few minutes, but I jumped down and I got, and I was like, what is going on? Anyway, the preacher finally came. He gave a great prophetic word. He asked Pastor Mark to come and he starts declaring over Pastor Mark, acceleration. What churches do in, in 10 years, you'll do in five. What churches in five, you'll do in two. And as he's declaring this, I'm sweating. My heart is beating. My face is on fire. And I'm going, oh my gosh, that word is for me, but I don't know this man. Where is his wife? Is she in kids church? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> So after the service, I said to one of the guys, hey, where's, where's pastor's wife? Oh, pastor has no wife. <laughs> what? Pa 
pastor has no wife? Oh no, pastor single and very rich. <laughs> I was like, check, check, check. Anyway, over the next six months, the Lord began to speak to me like he'd never spoken to me before. Prophetic words, dreams. I mean, every time I asked him for a sign, he, he came and he told me, the Lord told me, this is what you're going to do. You're going to marry this man. You're going to leave your country and you're going to go and be with him. Now, he had no clue that this was going on, of course. And I didn't say, hey, Mark, I'm your wife. God spoke to me. So... <laughs> But what happened was I waited for the right time. I let the Lord open the doors. And my little brother went and ratted on, his, uh, on me to his friend and said, hey, Jemima thinks she's in love with that pastor in Malaysia. And uh, his friend laughed and called me and said, hey, I'm going to Malaysia to speak uh, for his first year anniversary. Why don't you come with me in one coffee? You'll know if he's the one. And so I went to Malaysia, and I went to the first year anniversary of the church, uh, Kingdom City, and I was sitting there, and I was so nervous, you know, because, like, God had been spe speaking to me for six months. In fact, when I was going to the trip, I thought, my dad will never let me go. He was one of those protected fathers, you know, and I worked for him in the church, and he, he didn't really want me to, to leave. And so I said to the Lord, you're going to have to speak to him if this is of you. God gives him a dream. Let her go. This is of me. So at the airport, he says to me, okay, just promise me one thing. Don't go and get engaged, all right? I went, Dad, I don't even know this guy. I barely talked to him. Of course, I'm not going to get engaged. It's just a coffee. Anyway. <laughs> when I go to the church, you know, I'm not talking to him. He thinks I'm super snobby. I'm just really nervous. And so uh, he goes home and he can't get me out of his head. And so he's like, I better call this girl and just have a coffee with her. I just, I gotta figure, I just gotta talk to this girl. So calls me up. We go out for car, uh, coffee to Starbucks. We're sitting there for three hours just talking about life. You know, just talking about, you know, what we do and where we went to uni and all this sort of stuff. Then after three hours, he looks at me and goes, so how do you feel? And I remember thinking, you know, I'm not going there till you go there. Because I felt the Lord say, don't you dare open your mouth until he does first. So I said, I don't know, how do you feel? <laughs> and he says these famous lines, I feel like I'm having coffee with my wife. Now, because I'd had six months of God speaking to me about this, God speaking to my father about this, and there was a witness in it, I didn't freak out and slap him in the face or anything like that. You what? No. I sat back and I said, yes, I feel like you are having coffee with your wife. This is before any I love you's holding nothing. There was nothing. <laughs> anyway, um, we, we, we started to talk. I started to share with him all the things that God had spoken to me over the last six months, expecting him to suddenly share with me what God had been speaking because I fully thought God spoke to him like he speaks to me. But then I discovered in that moment that actually God speaks to all of us very differently because God had not said a word to him for six months. <laughs> And then I said, then how do you know? And he said, because I have a voice in my head for the last three hours going, this is your wife, this is your wife, this is your wife, this is your wife. And I feel good. 
I remember going, what? That's it? Anyway, um, to Pastor Mark Vergi's style, once God speaks to him, he is there. I mean, you see these cities we start, I'm like, with pastors freaking out, I'm like, that's nothing. I should, you should see the way he did our marriage. He got his phone out and he said, all right, are we going to do this? Because we can't date. So um, I'm a pastor. Uh, in Malaysia, you're a youth pastor. You're going back. So uh, let's look at our calendar now. So um, he's going to his little Blackberry, working out the dates for our wedding. And he's like, I'll go, I'll go to, your, to Brisbane. I was at the time, I'll ask your dad to marriage. You come over to Perth. I'd never been to Perth ever before. You come to Perth, you meet all my family. And then uh, you come to the camp in August to meet the church. And then September, we'll meet in Brisbane. We'll get married. The next day, you come. And then we'll hit the ground running. <laughs> So five months later, after only seeing him four times, I'm walking down an aisle to the song, Thy Word is a, is a Lamp Unto My Feet, because I was going on a word from God. God, if this is the man you have for me, I trust you. I'm going to do this. I don't know him. I think he's really handsome. I don't know if I love him, but he's very handsome. And he's not rich, so I'm not sure where that guy got that information from. But I tell you, I have never once in 15 years, 15 years that we've been married thought I got it wrong. I messed up. I, wrong, I married the wrong one because God was so clear. And I am so grateful to God that God didn't listen to me and my plan when I wanted to get married at 22. But he waited till I was 31, that I was the right time in the right season in my life for the mighty man of God, the apostle that I married, and that um, together we have gone on a journey of um, learning how to, I think that first year we dated while we were married, while running a church, and it was crazy. But let me tell you, when God writes your love story, when He does your destiny, when you allow Him to choose things, there's nothing, nothing else can compare. Psalm 31:15 says, my life, my every moment, my destiny, it's all in your hands. It's all in your hands. It's all in our hands. So we can't compare our destiny because it's in God's hands. The very thing you think could be a curse to you, like me, and when I thought I was single, that there was something wrong with me, was the very thing that God used to be able to create a beautiful love story for me. What is it in your life that you think is a curse, that you think God messed up, that he didn't plan, that, that in your comparing yourself to others? could be the very thing that God is saying, would you give it to me? I want to use it for my kingdom. There's a woman named Amy Carmichael. I don't know if you know her, one of my favorite heroes. She was born in the late 1800s. She was born in Ireland and she had brown eyes. Everyone in her family had blue eyes. And she was like, it's not fair, I want blue eyes. So every night she'd go to bed, she'd say, God, please change my eyes to blue. In the morning, she'd run into the bathroom to check her eyes and they'd still be brown. She used to get really upset with the Lord and say, why did you do this to me? Why am I different out of everyone? Amy grew up and ended up being a missionary in India. When she was there, she discovered that there were little girls that were used for prostitution in the temples there. The locals didn't want to have anything to do with it. They didn't want to, they just turned a blind eye to it. But Amy wanted to rescue those girls. So she would dress up in a sari. She would get coffee and she'd darken her skin. And she'd walk into those temples. And because her eyes were brown... They thought that she was an Indian, 
and she would gather those girls and she would walk them out of the temple and rescue them. She rescued hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of girls in that season during that time. The very thing she thought was a curse was the very thing that God used to rescue girls. Don't compare. You know, with Jesus, you will fulfill good works. That's what the verse says. Our destiny is good works. What's your destiny? It's good works. And you will fulfill it with Jesus. Because at the end of your life, Jesus is going to review what you did. I gave you this gifts, these gifts. I gave you these passions. I gave you this family. I had you live in this country or this time in this season. What did you do with it. Psalm 16, 5 says, Lord, I have chosen you, you alone as my inheritance. You are my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. I leave my destiny and its timing in your hands. Did you know King David wrote this? Now, King David was someone who had a great destiny, but he made some dumb decisions, and he could have lost all of that. You know, he went up on a rooftop, and he looked where he shouldn't have looked, and he looked a little longer than he should have. Then he began to meditate on images and things of that. And I always imagine the, the devil there with him whispering things like, hey, you're the king. You can do anything. Why don't you just go and call her? Who cares? She's married. Come on. Why don't you call her over? You can do that. You're powerful. No one's going to stop you. And he's like, yeah, no one's going to stop me. And he began to meditate on this thing because the devil wanted to steal his destiny. The devil's like, if we can get him out, look, if we can get him to sin, God will definitely smite him. I mean, look what God did to Saul. He will definitely take King David out. If we can get him to do this, then his destiny is gone. Then the line of the Messiah, it'll be broken. Come on, let's begin to tempt him. And so they began to tempt him. He gave in. And then after that, he tried to cover it up. They probably whispered to him, hey, you can cover it up this way. Get the husband to come back. Well, that didn't work. Then, hey, why don't you get the husband killed? Yeah, that's a great idea. So he tries and gets the husband killed. He has an affair. He tries to cover it up. He gets the husband killed and he doesn't confess. That is a man whose destiny looks like it's out the window. Demons are high-fiving each other going, yeah, we got this guy. Now the prophet comes in and all the demons are sitting there eating popcorn going, it's going on. The fire's gonna come, he's gonna be removed. This is awesome, Israel's gonna be a mess. And the prophet says, hey, you've been a bad boy. You've done this, 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 this. And you know what the demons or the devil didn't bank on? King David's response. What did he do? Created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. I'm so sorry, Lord. Forgive me. I have sinned against you. He humbled himself. He fasted. He tore. He, he came humbly before the Lord. And the Lord saw that and said, I love you. I forgive you. You are still on the throne. You still has a, have a destiny. And that's what I love about God. It doesn't matter what you did in your past. It doesn't matter how messed up. You think you're not good enough, you come with him and you repent and you get right, he will still use you because with Jesus you will fulfill good works. But you know what? It's your destiny, your choice. See, you have the ability to choose your destiny. First Kings 18, Elijah's talking to the Israelites. He's annoyed with them and he's like, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. You know, the people back then were mixing a little bit of Baal worship, 
a little bit of Yahweh worship or Christian worship, and they were mixing it together to make it comfortable for them. And then their destinies were getting all diluted and all over the place. There was a drought. Things were happening. The favor of God had lifted off them because they were mixing things together. Sometimes we can mix the things of the world and the things of the Bible and the Word of God. We can mix it together and form opinions and perceptions about our destiny, about our purpose. No, no, no. Well, God... He's a loving God. He, he wouldn't do this, or, or God doesn't want me to do that. And we can create these false narratives in our head when we mix Baal worship, when we mix worldly worship together. See, the enemy, he only needs 1% of your vision. He only needs 1%. He only needs you to look 1% because he knows if he can keep you looking 1% as you go on in life, that 1% gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's why the Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart. 100%. We must not give the enemy even 1%. We must not even give him one place. Eve, Samson, Jonah, Paul, Peter, they all chose their destinies. And so did Jesus. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was there in that garden. He was crying out. He had the weight of the Lord. He had your sin. He had your disease. He had your shame. He had your guilt. He had all of these things that the enemy had um, put on us. He carried that all in that moment. And he had a decision right there and then. He could have given up that destiny that he, that he knew that God had for him. He could have walked out. No, but he chose to keep it because he knew the bigger picture. He knew that one day you'd be worshiping the Lord. He knew that one day we would be created in his image and that we would love the Lord, our God, with all our heart. And so he chose to die. He chose to go through his destiny regardless. See, there's a bigger picture with your destiny. If we as a company of people decide to make a decision that we will do what God's given purpose, what the purposes of God has for us on earth. We all decide, you know what? We walk out today and go, you know what? I'm going to do the destiny God has for me, regardless how much it costs, what it, it is, the price I have to pay. I'm going to do it. We would see revival in this nation. If everybody just does the destiny, the purpose that God has for them, but it is your choice. There is a bigger picture there is a bigger plan. It's not just about you and your comfortable life. You know, when I went away from the Lord, I remember the moment I came back. It was late one night in my bedroom and everything had gone wrong for me and I'd hit rock bottom. I tried life my own way and clearly I was not good at being my own savior. And so when I was there and I was crying out, complaining and talking to the Lord, I felt the Holy Spirit just cut across my thoughts and he said, you know, I died on the cross so you wouldn't have to live like this. Would you give me the keys back to your life? Would you let me decide and let me? And in that moment of exchange, I had no keyboard or nice lights or anything. It was just me and the Lord on this rugged little carpet. In that moment, I just gave him the keys back. I said, hey, God, I give you the keys back. I messed up. I, I give it back to you. I, I, I choose the destiny, whatever it is, God. I give it back to you. 
See, two weeks earlier, I'd walked into a church and I was away from the Lord and I was sitting far, far back. It was a church of about 3,000 people. And the pastor was preaching when suddenly he stopped and he looked right in my direction. He pointed and he started crying. He said, there's somebody here today and you're away from the Lord and you need to get your life right with God. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of, sal of salvations that are connected with you. And you are delaying that by messing around with the world. You need to get back with God has a purpose and a plan for you. And you've known that since you were a baby and you are messing around. Get your life right with God. And I knew he was talking about me. I knew I just felt it. It took me two weeks. I cried every day. Cried and cried and cried till finally I just, you know what it was? It was a surrender thing. I had to surrender my wants, my destiny, my agenda, my sin, my mindsets, my hurt, my shame, my condemnation, I had to surrender it to Him and say, okay, God, I, you know what? I let go of control. And I ask you, God, you had planned something for me before I was even born. So I let it go and I let you do it. Now, I didn't wake up the next morning after that moment and say, right, Jemima Varghese Ministries, here we come. No, 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 no. It was two years of baby steps. You know what? I just started to read my Bible. Started with that. Then I started, I started to pray every day. I started to go to church. And then I went to church twice. And then three times. It was just slow. I started getting a connect group. I started slowly getting back to the Lord. And you know what? Sometimes I messed up. Sometimes those friends would ring to go party. And I, I would, oh, there'd be this, this like struggle in me and sometimes I'd mess up but you know what the Lord said hey you might have taken three steps forward and you fell down one step back but you're still two steps ahead and that's what the enemy does sometimes to us he, he says you messed up that's it you're out no 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 it's like three steps forward one step back but it's still two steps we, we don't give up walking when we're little right if we fall down we're like oh that's not it I'll never do anything for God yeah, sometimes we messed up, but if we come back with the right heart, like King David, he will use you. And some of you are in here and you're like, God, I don't understand why you make me feel this way, why you make me passionate about this, why you put me in this family, why I'm the race that I am, why I sound the way I'm. You, you, you are confused. It's like the enemy has confused all the giftings and, and stuff in your mind. And the Lord tonight wants to just blow on that confusion and bring clarity. Because did you know that there are preachers, prophets, prophetesses, apostles, teachers, and pastors in this place? There are, you are in this place meant for, your, for the hospitals, meant for the government, meant for the media, wherever it is, God has got the gift of those on your life for teaching, whatever, wherever, whatever vocation you are. There are preachers in this place for your vocation. There are people in this place in technology. God wants to download wisdom from heaven on technology to expand the kingdom. Technology that's never been seen on earth. Designs that have never been seen on earth. Tunes that have never been heard on earth. And God is like, I'm just looking for people who put their hand up and go, I'll do your destiny. I'll do your purpose. I'll extend it. Yes, God, I will open up my vessel. And would you pour it in and use me? So why don't you stand in this place? Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, 
please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.